network and like really try to build genuine connections with those people who are in your field and also don't don't always focus solely on networking up like look at the people in your industry who are coming in with you look at the people who you're interning with look at the people who you're graduating with and you guys are looking to enter the same field because all of you guys are going to be ceos in the next few years all of you guys are going to be executives in the next few years all of you guys are going to be running your businesses or whatever your career goals are going to be and so like network with those people across because you guys will all be able to benefit each other and that's the same way with like you know i'm sure you might look at whatever industry and you might see you know these power women it's like dang they all know each other and how do yeah. because they stay connected they a lot of these people have stories where they can be like oh i've known this person for 10 years and we met when we were interns or i know this person when, out of our first job and nobody you never know who someone else is going to be and you never know how you can benefit them and how they can benefit you Hi everyone, welcome to episode 16 of The Power of Why. I, my name is Naomi Haile, and today I am joined by the wonderful Courtney Conley. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, I'm super excited. Absolutely, I know in my gut and in my heart that this is going to be a fantastic episode based on our conversations. Um, so I'd like to dive in. Yeah. Courtney, for everyone, Courtney Colony is a careers Um, reporter at CNBC Make It. She is a journalist. She is a public speaker. She's an events correspondent. Um, And Courtney graduated with a journalism degree at the University of Maryland, College Park. Courtney, you landed a, what you called a good government job right out of school. And, you know, with that being said, you were itching for, it seemed like you were itching for something else. So Mm -hmm. you started some side projects. You did freelancing. Um, And at this point, you also started applying to media jobs, and then you finally left your government job and, you know, moved to New York City and landed an editorial position. Yes. I find your journey super fascinating, and I wanted to, um, you know, inquire more about your thought process, you know, while you were living in, in Maryland, correct? Yes. And how, like, you know, at uh, that point in your life, um... Where was your headspace at? Why were you looking for something else? Um, and why did you decide to, you know, move over to New York to where you are right now? So if you can give us a little insight on your, you know, origin story, that'd be fantastic. Awesome. Um, okay, so yes, you you were correct. I graduated from the University of Maryland College Park, um, and I'm so I'm originally from the New York. I mean, from the Maryland D.C. area. Right now, I currently live in New York. Yeah. But anyone who's from the Maryland, D.C. area can pretty much vouch that, like, it's an area that's filled with politics. Um, a lot of people there get government jobs, which a lot of people be like, if you get that good government job, like, you're secure, you're safe, you're good. There should be no complaints. Um, you've made it. Um, and, but for me, I just knew that that, that wasn't, like, my end journey. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> even throughout college, I worked for the government in a student position at the Department of Justice. And it was a pretty good position. I mean, I was super grateful for the role. I was super grateful to have, you know, a job and to have some sort of income coming in. And then once I graduated college, I was a journalism major at the University of Maryland. So, of course, I was ideally looking to land a position in journalism. Um, I was looking at career opportunities in the D.C. area, Maryland area, Virginia area, New York as well. Um, and, And nothing within the journalism field came up. But my um, boss at the time at the Department of Justice told me they had a full-time position as a legal assistant. And of course, it just made sense. You're getting offered a full-time position. You have no other options to take the role. Mm-hmm. So I took the job and I was at the Department of Justice after I graduated for about a year. 
Um, but during my entire time there, I was also freelancing on the side for Black Enterprise Magazine. And I was writing for their um, career channel. So while I was at the Department of Justice, I was there for about a year. And during my time while I was there, I freelanced on the side for Black Enterprise Magazine. I wrote for their career channel. Yeah. And with that, I wrote, um, I sent in, I must say, maybe about like three or four clips a week. But that allowed me to not only bring in extra income on the side, but it also allowed me to continue to establish myself and build up my clips and resume outside of what I had in college. Of course, in college, I wrote for like the school newspaper and I had like a staff writing position, Um, but I wanted some sort of like real world experience. Um, Still, I was very like not happy with my day job and I was very clear even with my parents and everyone around me, they knew that like okay, this is not Courtney's end all be all. And I think for my parents, even though I always talk about moving to New York, I don't think they actually thought it was a reality until it mm. actually happened. Yeah. Um, because New York is, is not a cheap place to live. New York is not an easy city to make it in. It's not like I moved up here and had, you know, family I can stay with or friends who couches I can sleep on. It was really like a, a leap of faith and moving up here and trying to figure out, trying to make it work. Um, but you're always where you're, where you need to be in the, in that certain time because had it been up to me, I would have ideally wanted to have graduated college, landed a job in Jones and in New York and moved up here right away after college. But mm-hmm. I didn't really have a savings nest. I didn't really have money saved up. So working for the Department of Justice for that year after I graduated college and mm-hmm. during that same time, I also lived at home. So mm-hmm. that really allowed me to like save up money. So that when the opportunity did come a year later for me to move to New York after applying, I can't even tell you how many positions I applied to. Um, But I eventually landed a freelancing position with Cosmopolitan Magazine as an editorial production assistant. Okay. Um, And it it literally, it paid. I lied to my parents and told them it was a full-time job because otherwise I know they they wouldn't have let you go (laughs) out of leaving a good government job that's full-time where you know after working for a year or so, you're guaranteed to get a promotion. You have benefits. It wouldn't have made sense to them for me to leave that comfort zone yeah. Moved to New York for a freelancer position where I have no benefits, where I'm not making a, a high salary. Um, so I lied to them and told them it was a full-time position. When really it was a freelancer position and I was making $10 an hour. But I would not have been able to take that job had I not had money saved up from me working for the government for a year. Right. So that's everything happens for a reason. And a lot of times we sometimes question or we're frustrated with where we are in our journey. But when you look back three, four, five years in a row, you realize like, I was exactly where I was meant to be. And I see why that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to a year later, I moved to New York, like I said, for a freelancer position with Cosmopolitan. And with freelancing, I knew it wasn't like long term and I knew it wasn't permanent, but I also felt like I'm a hard worker. Like I'm going to make them make me permanent. Like I'm going to work hard. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to be on time. I'm going to be prompt. And of course that's not how things went. Um, after about three months, about three or four months of working at Cosmopolitan, <clears throat> we're like, you know, we really like you, but we no longer need you. I had just signed a lease on an apartment that I had just moved into, which meant that like, now this is like getting into the real world because like my credit is on this. Yeah. First thing, my name is on the line in terms of like signing over for things outside of student loans. And it, it was really like a scary time period. And of course, you know, during that time when Cosmo was like, we don't need you anymore, I really had in my mind like, well, what's next? Like, you, you can't go back home. Like, you just moved up here. Do you even tell your parents what happened? Because you told them it was a full-time job. Yeah. Um, like, what's next? And I mean, of course, I, I ended up telling my parents, you know, 
what the situation was and they were like super supportive i think for them after seeing me go hard after what i want and like not just talk about it but be about it and move up here and make the transition and take the risk for them it was kind of like we have to support her now like let's keep moving like you're up there let's keep applying let's figure out what else comes up mm -hmm. um and that's when i really like dig back into my network and that's why it's so important to just keep in contact with people regardless of where you meet them at even if you meet them in a job where you think like i don't want to be here long term Network with people and say out loud what you want career-wise because you never know who someone knows. You never know how they can connect you to someone else. So when I left Cosmo, I just, like I said, I reached out to my network, reached out to people who had kind of served as like my mentor throughout college, reached out to people who I had like followed their blog sites or just loved their writing. And I was, you know, reaching out, asking if they wanted me for coffee or if I could kind of do like an informational interview with them. Yeah. And eventually I knew, I contacted got in touch with someone who it's so funny because when i was in college i interned in new york as well and i had like a whole list of people like i went to the library and i looked at the mass head of like all of like my favorite magazines and i reached out to like all of the editors and i'm not gonna lie i also reached out to definitely the ones who were like black women so yeah. i just felt like it could be a connection there hopefully they'd be more yeah. willing to like you know meet up with me or offer me advice and this particular lady she wasn't working at a magazine at the time, but I, she had a blog site and it was called Writing While Black. Her name is Ben Aviera. And I really loved her writing. And so I reached out to her that summer and she didn't get a chance to get back to me, and, which is like super understandable. Like people are busy, emails get lost in the crap. But when I was at an event after the time period when I got laid off from Cosmopolitan and I met her there and I was just telling her like what I was going through and how, you know, I was freelancing for Cosmo, but like that's up and now I'm looking for a position. And she put me in touch with someone at Black Enterprise who said they mm. were looking for a full they were looking for a full time freelancer. Here again, I already had a connection with Black Enterprise. So they already kind of knew my work. They knew my work ethic from when I wrote for them back when I was working in the Department of Justice. Yeah. So that pretty much like set me up to where as soon as I went into the interview, I was pretty confident that like I was gonna land this position. And so I freelanced full time for Black Enterprise for about six months and then they made me permanent and I became careers editor there. And so in total, I was at Black Enterprise for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I was just kind of like itching for something new. Um, and I was reached out to on LinkedIn by a startup company called Odyssey. And they were kind of like a new media organization. And I was just like, okay, this is new. This is exciting. Like, I've never done a startup world. Let me try it. Um, that didn't quite work out too well because after like less than a year, they had like massive layoffs because they pretty much mismanaged their money. I'm not even sure if they're still around. I think they may have folded. Um, so then here again, I was back in this position of like, okay, what do I do now? I don't have a job. Um, here again, reached back out to my network, applied like crazy, and I landed a freelancing position with ABC News. But at the same time I applied to that position with ABC News, I also applied to my current position at CNBC. Um, but it just so happened CNBC took a while to get back to me. And it was like they got back to me after I started at ABC News after like a month. Um, so I really was only at ABC News for probably about like three months. And then once I finished like the interview rounds with CNBC, that's when I officially joined them. So I've been with CNBC okay. now. It'd be two years in June. So about like a year and a half. Um, wow. So yeah, so that's, I tried to make it like a shorter version. <laughs> kind of like my journey to like where I am now. Um, and at CNBC, I write for the platform Make It, which we're a platform that's geared towards educating a younger audience about like careers, entrepreneurship, finance, leadership, um, and those pillars. And like I said, I, I'm a reporter for the career section.
Yeah, love it. And I, I appreciate that you talk a lot about what happened in between these opportunities and how, um, you know, it's not always a straight path. And no, that is life. Yeah, so there are a few things that I'd really love to touch on. Um, one, when you were working full-time in your government job, you said that you were doing freelancing. What was your approach for um, reaching out to these media companies? Um, and how did you manage juggling, um, juggling both opportunities? Hmm. So um, when I was working with the government, literally like my day would look like, like I would go into work, I would check my work emails, I would get whatever like task I had to do for that day for my government job out of the way. And so like my first half of the half of the day would be dedicated to like my government job. Then like after lunch, I would literally dedicate it to like applying to jobs, tailoring my resume to each job I applied to and like finishing whatever assignments like I got a response back to after pitching to different editors. So I also um, freelance a little bit on this side. I wrote like a article or two for Ebony magazine because Hi. in New York I had connected with a lady who was an editor there. Okay. And so I was looking for freelancing opportunities. So I wrote maybe like an article or two for Ebony Magazine. Okay. Um, also around that time, it was a publication called Heart and Soul Out. Here again, when I was interning in New York that summer, it was a lady who, she was an editor for Heart and Soul. And I was telling her how I'm looking to get more experience with writing clips. And at that time, I was also willing to like write for free. So like when I was writing for Black Enterprise, they were paying me. But some of the other things, it was just like me getting exposure out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to kind of like touch on that because I do think that sometimes, you know, especially when you're starting out, like you definitely have to like put in the groundwork and some opportunities, like the opportunity outweighs the money. So like everything may not have a paycheck attached, but there's also exploration on that. Like, I don't think, I don't want anybody to feel like they have to be like an intern for five years because some companies will try to play you like that, especially if you're working in journalism and especially, I know a lot of people who work in fashion and beauty and you know, everybody's journey is different, but I think there's no reason why you should be an intern for five years. Like, you have mm-hmm. say, you can't tell your landlord, I'm working off an intern salary. Like, you know, like, it, it, demand the respect, put in your dues, but understand, like, there's a time limit on that. So, like I said, when I was working in the Department of Justice, like, I was freelancing on the side. Some of it was paid, some of it wasn't paid. But I was pretty much just, like, putting myself out there for any opportunities that were available. I also... um connected with the lady when I was in college. She had a blog. Her name is Joy Marie McKenzie. And right now she's the senior entertainment editor at Essence Magazine. But at the time, she also had a popular blog site in the D.C. area called D.C. Fab. And so they Mm -hmm. would cover like any social happenings in the D.C. area, any celebrities who came in town for like events or concerts. Like she would have a correspondent go out and like interview those people. And I was just trying to figure out like while I'm in the D.C. area, what opportunities can I take advantage of now? Right. I can't be in New York tomorrow, so what can I do now in the D.C. area that will continue to get clips under my belt, that will continue to help me say that I, I interviewed this person, I talked to that person, it will help me to connect with people who can hopefully help me to connect with other people. So I reached out to her when I was in college through Facebook, and like her and I just connected, and so... What did you say in that first interaction? When I reached How out to her? How can I help her? you? Yeah. Facebook. Um, so there was another young lady who I went to college with. Her name was Courtney. And that's how I found out about DC Fab because Courtney wrote for DC Fab. And when I asked Courtney, how did she get connected with it? She was telling me, um, you know, how she reached out to Joy. And so I was just like, well, I'll follow the same, the same method. So I, at the time, I don't, I don't even know if I was on like Instagram during that time. I, I don't know. I just know that I like messaged her on Facebook and I pretty much just told her, I was just like, Hey Joy, I follow. I've been following your work for a while. I really admire the platform that you built. 
I'm a student at the University of Maryland College Park. She also went to the University of Maryland College Park, so I'm super okay. sure it kind of like helped with that connection. Yeah. And I just asked her, I said, is there, are you looking for any assistance in terms of people to go out and cover events? Okay. Um, I'm really just looking for the exposure, any opportunities that you have, let me know. And she responded right away and was just saying like, yeah, actually, we are looking for a few correspondents to help cover events. She was like, um, Melanie Fiona will be in town tomorrow. Are you free to interview her? I was like, yes. Um, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> timing. Oh my God. Like, I timing. skipped my last period class because it was just like a big lecture. And I was like, I told my friend, I was like, send me the notes because I got yeah. other work to do. Right. And like, I went to go do the interview and we just kind of like kept the ball rolling from there. So like I said, in undergrad, I wrote for that local blog site. And even when I was at the Department of Justice, um, I freelance for main publications on the side, but I also continue to write for that blog site. And I think a lot of people sometimes too, they may kind of look at like the local opportunities and think it's like too small, but really nothing mm -hmm. is too small. Like everything gives you exposure. Everything gives you the experience that you need. And you just never know like who you're going to meet. Like some of those same people who I met when I was out covering events and writing stories for DC Fab, those are the same people who still look out for me to this day when it comes to like opportunities or they've started their organizations and they want me to like speak on panels or, you know, uh, help them get exposure for this or they help me get exposure for something else. So it's just like be open to like all opportunities, um, especially the ones that, that, that make sense. Like nothing is too small, nothing is too big. Don't talk yourself out of anything because you think you aren't ready. Um, if you weren't ready, the opportunity wouldn't have came to you. Um, so yeah. And those stretch roles, I think are so important, right? Like yeah. yes. you put yourself out there by reaching out to Joy. Her name is Joy, right? Yes. And basically said like, you know, I'm looking for this opportunity. This is my experience. How can I be of help to you? Right. And I think just, um, Gary Vee calls it like putting yourself as close as possible to the sun and you know people who are doing the work that you are you know aspiring and that you want to do I think is super valuable so like what would your advice be for people who you know don't necessarily know where to start is it surround yourself with the you know with the people that uh, you want to be like or you know positive influences um, is it you know focus on your craft and what you, and you know start building your skills or both you know what would you say to those people yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely think never stop focusing on your craft and building your craft and perfecting your craft. But I also yeah. think regardless of what industry you're in, who you know is like so important. Yeah. Like I know so many people who, you know, with all due respect, like, you know, everyone is where they're meant to be. But I know they're there because of somebody they knew. I know that there are other people who are just as talented who aren't in these positions because they don't know the right people. Right. Um, so definitely network and like even create it also to network strategically because it's impossible for you to exhaust yourself of going to every single networking event and trying to pass out 10 different business cards to connect with all 10 of those people like no like focus on building genuine connections with people because when someone has a genuine connection with you and when you guys just click like they're going to look out for you versus someone who you kind of forced yourself on right um, so it depends on you know what industry you want to be in Look at who, who are the power players in the industries? Who are the people who you kind of look up to and say like, wow, I wouldn't mind my career looking like theirs. I wouldn't mind having a job like them. And like follow them on social media. Go to the panels that, they, that they're speaking at. Go to the events that they speak at. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're able to find their email, email them. There's absolutely nothing wrong with cold emailing somebody. And I know sometimes yeah. that can seem like awkward and it's like what to say. But a simple just like email, like, Hey, Naomi, I really admire what you're doing with your podcast and with your platform. 
I would love, you know, if you're ever in the New York City area, I would love for us to meet up. Or I would love if we could just have like 10 minutes to like chat on the phone so I can get more insight into what you do and if there's any way I can help. You know, definitely make it very clear. Don't always make it known like you're trying to get something out of it. Right. Make it like a two-way street and, and, and think about like how you've been following them for a while because the reality is like everybody wants to help somebody else. Every decent person wants mm-hmm. to help somebody else. Yeah. So I highly doubt anybody's going to just straight up say no. Now you may not always get a response to that email because people are busy or you may get a response three months later or the email may go to spam or the email may get lost in the cracks, whatever. But at least you put yourself out there and try mm-hmm. um, because when you don't put yourself out there, like you're already starting at a no. Mm-hmm. So what's the worst yeah. case scenario? Like just put the ask. That out is there. the worst case scenario. Yeah. Getting a no. And that's even. Exactly. You can't get a no without even giving yourself a chance to get a yes. Right. Um, so yeah. So really just like, like I said, network and like really try to build genuine connections with those people who are in your field. And also don't, don't always focus solely on networking up. Like look at the people in your industry who are coming in with you. Look at the people who you're interning with. Look at the people who you're graduating with and you guys are looking to enter the same field because all of you guys are going to be CEOs in the next few years. All of you guys are going to be executives in the next few years. All of you guys are going to be running your businesses or whatever your career goals are going to be. And so like network with those people across because you guys will all be able to benefit each other. And that's the same way with like, you know, I'm sure you might look at whatever industry and you might see, you know, these power women, it's like, dang, they all know each other. And how do yeah. because they stay connected? They, a lot of these people have stories where they can be like, oh, I've known this person for 10 years and we met when we were interns. Or I know this person when we, out of our first job and nobody, you never know who someone else is going to be. And you never know how you can benefit them and how they can benefit you. So it's just like network all around, network up, network to the side. Don't be afraid mentor. to mentor people. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be a mentee, you know, and, and even with mentor mentee relationships, even that's nothing that can be like forced. Like Mm -hmm. I know the goal and ideally everyone should have like a mentor in their career, but sometimes I know some very successful people who've never had a mentor and it just never happened. But that doesn't mean they didn't stay connected with people. That doesn't mean they didn't network. I feel like a mentor mentee relationship is something that happens like organically. Right. Anything that's like forced. And Mm -hmm. so don't put the pressure on seeing somebody in your career. So you're like, I want them to be my mentor. They're going to be my mentor. You might meet them and like you guys go out for coffee and it's like crickets and you're like pulling teeth to try to have a conversation. That's no one who ideally you probably want to be your mentor because that's not like a natural organic relationship. Right. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just network. And like I said, be strategic with networking. Be strategic with like who you try to like place that pressure on in terms of like mentoring and, and mentorship. Mm-hmm. You know what, Courtney? I really appreciate you talking about uh, peer-to-peer networking because uh-huh. I think people tend to, you know, only look up. And I don't even want to think of, like, positions as being, right. you know, higher right. and lower level, but, um, you know, people that they admire. But at the same time, I remember having a prof in, like, second year university who said, you know, look around this classroom. These are the people that you are going to, that are also going to be leading industries, you know, maybe right. besides you. And, um, you know, just try to build your relationships with the folks that you go to class to or the, you know, your colleagues at work who start at the same time as you in entry-level positions because you never know where this person is going to be and how you both can help each other in your careers or for business or for whatever reason. Yeah, thanks for mentioning peer-to-peer. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it, 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 it's so true. And, and I think I wish more people would have told me that, like, when I first graduated college because I was heavily focused on, like, trying to like get a coffee meeting with like the senior editor at this major publication, like Mm -hmm. meet with like, you know, like whoever. And it's just like, 
okay, but the same people who, like, I graduated college with, like, we're all doing, like, super dope things now. And it's, like, I'm happy that, like, I still stay connected with them. But had I, like, not focused on also forging those relationships, like, I wouldn't even have had certain opportunities come to me. And it's because, like, people who I don't even know they're still watching, it's like, oh, such and such said they went to college with you and they recommended you for this. Or such and such said they went to college with you and they said I should connect with you because we can help each other out in this way. And it's yeah. just like, you never know who's watching. You never know who you're inspiring. You never know who's looking out for you. So it's just like, just be a good person and just like, keep in touch with people. Like, really. Yeah. And that says a lot about you too. If, you know, behind your back, the, the impressions that people have about you or the way they remember uh, you interacting with them and how you treated them with respect and all these things, I think, you know, people do not forget that. And I think that's why um, you, you receive those types of, um, you know, emails and messages. It says a lot about you too. Yeah. Thank you. Reputation is just so important. Like, regardless of what industry you work in, the world is like so small Mm. and you'd be surprised who knows who and like what opportunity could like be taken away from you that you didn't even know was coming your way because somebody Mm. said like, oh, they're rude, or oh, they're a bad person, oh, I work with them, and they were, like, a terrible person to work with, or oh, they're not responsible at all, or oh, they don't get the job done. And that's, like, that's like the last thing you want is to have that reputation where, like, you're not even aware of opportunities that aren't coming your way because mm-hmm. people have a, a bad, you know, reputation, bad things to say about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard to clean that up. I mean, people change, people improve, people get better and evolve and all that good stuff, but People remember how you made them feel. And even if you're a completely different person today, they will still remember that five-minute meeting you had with them five years ago where you were super rude. Yeah. You know, and and unfortunately, it just carries with you, even if you change. But people will still remember, like, nope. (laughs) Not that person. Yeah. How do you, because um, you have a personal website where you, you have a blog and you, you write articles. You know, what's your perspective on personal branding? I mean, the reason that I reached out to you was because you have a very strong personal brand. And I knew that you had a lot to speak about based on your experiences um, about career, about entrepreneurship, about doing uh, working on side projects. So, um you know, when you were starting off, what were some of the things that you focused on when building your personal brand online and making sure that, um, you know, what was out there on the internet are things that you um, put together and that you are interested in? Okay. And so I'm going to be completely honest and transparent because I feel like I could do a way better job at personal branding. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just something that even like I'm learning as I go on, it, go on through my journey in terms of just like self-promotion. Yeah. And we live in a day and age where like self-promotion means like a lot, especially in today's social media age. So <clears throat> I know in I'm, a good way and a bad way. What do you mean by a lot? Um, in a good and bad way, because on the one hand, it puts the ball in your court in terms of like telling your story and, and presenting yourself yeah. in the way that you want to present it in. But also sometimes in a bad way, because I know a lot of people who have this social media clout and have this social media presence, but they don't really have impact. And for me, like, I always want to have impact. I don't care if I have two followers, but if I know, like, I'm having impact with, like, what I'm doing, and, like, I know that, like, those two people who I'm touching, like, their lives are being changed or I'm positively impacting them, great. But I know Mm -hmm. some people who have, you know, now we're in the day and age of people, like, buy followers and, 
which is so uh, mind-boggling to yeah. me. And so the whole idea of like personal branding for me is just like being your authentic self. Yeah. I know so many people too who like they present themselves one way online, but then you meet them in person. It's just like, wow, like you were so like women's empowerment and like inspirational according to your Instagram, but I meet you in person. And like you are not a pleasant person to meet. And it's just, you know, it's just like. <clears throat> misrepresentation maybe. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Misre- misrepresentation. Yeah. So I think when it comes to like personal branding, I think for one, you have to recognize that it takes time. I think a lot, even um, Oprah said it when she, I think yeah, it was Oprah when she did the um, interview with uh, Vogue UK a while ago and, and, the, and the editor-in-chief, um, Edward, was asking her about personal branding and she was saying how with young people, like, she was like, it kind of kills them when they talk about branding because like, what have you done to have a brand? Like, <laughs> you have to do yeah. the work and then kind of your brand will follow you. And I think for right. me, when people talk, ask me about personal branding, I still feel like I'm in that stage of like doing the work. And I feel like mm-hmm. I will always be in that stage of like doing the work. And so it, it's just, for me, it's really just about like being authentic, being true to myself and just like doing the work, continuing to like tell the stories that I want to tell with my writing, continuing to speak on the topics I want to speak about, continuing to share the things that I want to share and hope that it reached the people who I wanted to reach. And then just, you know, let that be like what my personal brand is. I, I'm not personally one of those people where, it's like, oh, I'm trying to be like a influencer or like a beauty blogger or like, which like all of that is fine. Cause some people, if you have a knack for that, like go after it. But for me, it's really about just like letting my work speak for itself. And, and then my brand will just like follow. Um, yeah. When it comes to, um, you know, sharing your work online, I think sometimes we tend to, well, I'll speak on behalf of the conversations that I have with my with my friends who are who also um, like doing community building stuff and mm-hmm. like writing and um, have the you know the website where they post um, articles and such. And I think self promotion can be tough sometimes, especially for women. Um, you know, just like putting out there the work that you are doing, not necessarily for the sake of a personal brand, but um, to share the stuff that you are creating. Um, so how have you juggled self-promotion? And I don't mean it in the like narcissistic way, but no, no, I get, no, no, I get what and yeah. I mean, and I think self-promotion is like important. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I, mm-hmm. it's something that I know if I could be honest, like I need to get better at. And I think too, that just comes with just like, you know, regardless of anyone who seems to be the most successful or seem to have the most perfect life. Like everyone has like their second thoughts or insecurities about things. And so sometimes you'll like doubt yourself. And I think that kind of like where self-promotion or lack thereof comes into play. Like you wonder like, who cares? Or like, okay, I wrote this article, but like who's going to really read it? Or like, Mm. who's going to read this blog post? Or like, should I even share? Like people will see it eventually. And so like, I think with growth comes just checking those thoughts, checking those negative thoughts. And you know, you know and, and like, because people do care. Like, you don't know who can be inspired by your blog post. You don't yeah. know who is watching or who's looking or who's waiting for you to say, I wrote this piece or I wrote that piece or like, check out my latest blog post or like, look at my new website. Um, and like you said, I think for women, I don't, I don't know why we have such a hard time with self-promotion, but like, I think it's something we just need to get better at. And like I said, and just quiet those voices in our head that like, put those doubtful thoughts in there, like quiet those thoughts and just put it out there. Mm. you know like I said you never know who's watching you never know who's going to be impacted by your work and just like promote yourself because you also don't know what opportunities come from and we're in a day and age where like 
So, well, like you, you found me online. Yeah. So when, when people literally, they find you based off them seeing your work, whether it's your social media page where someone slides into your DM and say like, hey, are you interested in speaking on this panel? Whatever the case may be, that's as a result of them seeing something on your page yeah. where you promoted it. Yeah. And so like you have to use it to your advantage. And like we're in a day and age now, we're literally like, we can control our destiny. We can control our career journey. Everything, if you want something, you can build it. You can create it. I mean, look at Issa Rae. Like, she started oh, yeah. a YouTube channel. And, you know, now she has a show on HBO. But imagine if she would have said, I'm scared to self-promote my work. I'm scared to create yeah. a YouTube channel. She yeah. wouldn't be where she is today. No one would have seen it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, we have to, like, and, like, and even as I'm saying this, like, I'm preaching to myself as well in terms mm. of, like, promote yourself, promote your work, and don't be afraid to do it because there are people who are looking forward to it. And then, too, okay, if there is some people who might be like, so what? Then, like, okay, whatever. They can move to the side. Stop following me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important that you, like, promote your work because, like I said, you never know what opportunities come from it. You never know the impact that you could be having on other people, and you never know, like, who's watching. You never know, like, because you posted something, it could be the reason why somebody else goes after that job or why somebody else goes after that promotion or why somebody else, you know, deals with whatever conflict or face whatever challenge they're facing career wise or personally. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. And you do, I mentioned in your bio that you do speaking engagements as well. Um, how did you go about starting that? Was it someone who reached out to you and, and asked you to be on a panel or um, do, a, do a, a speaking engagement or did you seek that out on your own? So, and here again, like I said, it's need to get better at self-promotion because there also are opportunities where like, and I know people who like, they will, you know, pitch themselves to speak on panels. I haven't pitched myself to speak on a panel. Like the, the opportunities, speaking opportunities that have come to me have came to me via like somebody seeing my work and thinking like my voice or perspective would be good to sit on this panel. Okay. Or, like I said, somebody seeing me promote something on social media and then they're like, hey, you want to talk more about this at this event or whatever the case may be. But, um, like I said, I'm sure, you know, there are ways in which self-promotion goes into that. You can pitch yourself to speak on different panels and reach out to people and like take that leap of faith and and take that risk. Like I said, by you not asking, you're already starting with the no. The speaking engagements that I've gotten so far, all of them have come from, like I said, from self-promotion, whether it's something that someone has seen me promote on social media or whether it's the work that they see me do with my day job and they feel like my perspective will be good for whatever topic they're talking about at an event or at a panel. Um, and even for me, I'm always like shocked when people reach out to me to like speak on events or panels. But like I said, that goes back to, to just like, you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. You never know who's paying attention. And why it's always good just to like, do quality work and stay true to yourself because you never know what opportunities it can lead you to. Mm-hmm. but I also know too that like there are ways in which if anybody out there who's listening and like they want to get into the space of like doing more speaking engagements and they want to figure out why I mean they want to figure out how if there's a particular event that you want to speak at don't be afraid to pitch yourself there are so many people who like we look at who it's like wow they're like booked and busy but it's like <clears throat> they pitch themselves which is completely mm-hmm. fine put yourself out there let your voice be known let people know that you're in this space and that you're willing to offer up your perspective and your expertise and you can easily get a yes. You would be surprised by how many yeses you get. And sometimes speaking on one panel could lead you to speak on another panel based off someone who heard what you had to say in the audience or someone else in the panel who's saying like, Hey, actually I'm putting together this event next week. Are you interested or available to 
attend that event as well. So definitely don't afraid when it comes to like speaking games to also put yourself out there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I know that can sometimes be nerve wracking too, but how, how did your first speaking engagement go and how did you prepare for it? <coughs> for anyone who's thinking about doing, starting on speaking. So for me, I'm not, I'm not naturally like an extra, I'm more of an introvert. And so even anybody who has known me since I was like a kid, they would tell you like Courtney was always shy. Courtney didn't really like speak too much unless she like really knew you. So even for me now, like speaking engagements, it's not like an easy thing. Like there have been some speaking engagements. I would literally look at my inbox and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to respond to it tomorrow. So I'm nervous to say yes. Because, like, how many people are going to be there? And it's like, girl, <laughs> say yes and figure out how many people will be there tomorrow or later, right. like, whatever. Right. But I think, too, like, for me, I just tell in my head, I'm just, like, woman up. Like, you got a woman up. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, <clears throat> anything that scares you, you know it's likely what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like, everything that you do doesn't need to be comfortable. It doesn't make you feel at ease. You know, it shouldn't always make you feel at ease. It should make you feel like you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And, like, eventually, like, you will just get better at it and the nerves won't be there all the time especially when you're get the responses that you get and especially when more opportunities come around but I think for me it's just a matter of just like letting myself know I got this like what makes me so different than anyone else on the panel okay so how about Courtney those who are interested in um in writing more because I know that's you, you were doing freelance writing whenever when you were working your full-time job and and even now in, in careers entrepreneurship mm-hmm. those type of subjects so um what would you say to those who are interested in like journalism or reporting function where to start um i think with writing like the best way to get better at it is just to keep writing yeah <clears throat> nobody comes out the womb of maya angelou like you know like it you have to just like keep getting better at it keep reading figure out who's writing you like and don't per se like copy your writing right after them because everybody's writing is different, but like <clears throat> study their writing, study the factors for why you like it. Um, and then, like I said, and, and just keep practicing on your own. Like the best way to get better at something is to just keep doing it. And also like be open to like feedback and constructive criticism. I know even when I was freelancing for black enterprise, even though I was a freelancer and I wasn't in office, but the editor who I would turn my piece into, I will always ask her like, Hey, what feedback do you have? Because sometimes you can get two different types of editors. You can get one editor who really just goes in and like mix whatever edits they want and then they publish a piece. Or you have some editors who will let you know what changes they made and why they made it. I always made sure that I would get feedback from her on what changes she made and why she made it so that I can understand it so that I can get better. And so that next time I won't make those same errors or make those same mistakes. Or I remember to include that detail or that information. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Yeah, that's how you get better. Yeah, so I think definitely be open to criticism. I know a lot of times people are kind of sensitive when it comes to their writing and when it comes to their work, but, like, you can only get better at something if you're open to, like, somebody else helping you. Um, and, 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 yeah, that, that's really the key. And, like I said, just keep, keep writing. And if there's something that you want to do, also don't let the criticism play on your self-esteem. You know, because I think a lot of times that that can happen when you have an editor who kind of like marks up your pieces and you kind of wonder like, dang, am I not a good writer? Am I not good at this? Or is this not meant for me? me?" Every writer has had an editor that's kind of like made them better. And that's ultimately what you want. Like you don't want an editor who lets you just sit there and like not get better. Like you want to see your work improve. And so, yeah, that's the thing. Like I be open to criticism, constructive criticism, 
continue to practice and like read just as much as you write, if not more, because mm-hmm. that will just also naturally help you. Mm-hmm. What type of, uh, and we'll get to, okay, I'll ask this question at the end though, like what types of books you read and any resources that were helpful for you. Um, but <clears throat> get into like a little bit of uh, risk taking before wrapping up. Um, what is, can you maybe talk about a, you know, a risk that worked out really, really great for you and one that didn't work out too, that may have not worked out too well and what you learned from both experiences? Um, so a risk that... And you took a lot of risks in your journey, <coughs> which is probably like my favorite part about your story. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think even, I won't even say a risk that didn't work out because everything like, happens for a reason and everything like mm-hmm. teaches you a lesson mm-hmm. I think obviously one of my biggest risks that I took that obviously worked out in the end was like moving to New York mm-hmm. like had I not took the leap of faith to take the freelancer position where I was getting paid ten dollars an hour to move to New York to move to a city where like I had no real family had no real friends had I not taken that risk like I wouldn't even be sitting here talking to you about my career journey Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously a risk that paid off and it's obviously one of like the biggest risks I've taken. Yeah. <clears throat> um, a risk I took that didn't per se work out. Um, and here again, I wouldn't even say like it didn't work out, but I think when I left Black Enterprise to go work at the startup company, um, at the time it seemed like a good idea because it's just like, you know, I was itching for something new. This is obviously something new with the startup. But working at startups comes with, and I think anybody who starts to work at a startup, they will understand that like, it comes with a lot of risk because you just, <clears throat> you don't know if the company is going to survive. And, you know, so with that, always, I mean, regardless of whether you're working at a company that's been around for 50 years or a company that's been around for two, just always make sure that like you manage your money right and mm-hmm. that you have emergency savings because you never, never know yeah. what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like a company is like not financially stable, like listen to the writings on the wall and get out of there. Like start applying for jobs, start saving your money, start making whatever necessary moves you need to make. And I think too, a lot of times, especially with young people, when you just graduate college, you're so concerned about being loyal to a company and I have to be here for two years before I move. And it's just like, honestly, no, you don't like long gone, <laughs> unless you, I mean, some industries maybe, but it definitely if you're working in a creative field, like you do not have to stay at a company for an extended period of time before you move on. Like, no, put yourself out there, apply to jobs, because like I said, always keep your objective first. Always be very selfish about why you're at a company, what you're trying to get out of it, because employers are not loyal. <clears throat> and if things hit the fan tomorrow, I don't care if you are the top-notch employee who, who brings in the most revenue, like they will let you go if they need to let you go. Um, and so just, just pay attention to the writings on the wall. And I think, like I said, with the startup, I wouldn't say it was a risk that didn't work out, but I mean, it was kind of a risk that didn't work out. Like they eventually sold (laughs) like I had to find another job, but also like when I first started that job, I kind of knew that like, it wasn't per se for me. And so it really was like a lesson for me to like, listen to that feeling when you know something isn't for you and like figure out, okay, what do I want to get out of this? And then what do I want my next move to be? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? When you're starting off in a new role, for example, or at a new company firm, um, what is your not your intention coming in, but what are some of the things that you're really, really conscious about? Whether that's like 
um, you know, office politics or because I think that that, especially early on in your career, can trip some people out when they don't have the experience in, you know, the corporate setting. So um, what are some things or like some questions that you answer for yourself right off the bat? Um, um, so for, for one, it's also, is there opportunity for growth? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And, and by growth, I don't always mean like, oh, I'm not going to be manager next year. Just is there opportunity for like, is your company open to you speaking on panels? Is your company open to you accepting side projects or, you know, taking like press trips or, you know, what, what freedom do you have at that company that allows you to also expand your personal brand? Okay. Um, also too, what is the company culture like? Like, is it a company culture where like people are leaving left and right? If that's the case, why are people leaving? Pull somebody yeah. to the side and say like, Hey, what's going on? Like, why are so many people leaving? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then also to like pay attention to the overall like mission of the company. Like, does it align with your mission? Like if you know that like you want to, you know, have a writing that focuses on, I don't know, tech, but you're right now working at a company where they focus strictly on beauty and they're not interested in tech. Then it's like, okay, there's a timestamp here. Like, let me figure out like what my next move is. Um, and yeah, and just to like, does it, does it feel right? Granted, like every company is, or every job is going to have its pros and cons. So no job yeah. is going to be perfect, but like, no, also nobody should like dread wanting to go to work every day. Like you shouldn't wake up in the morning and be like, Oh my gosh, like literally feeling nauseous and sick because you have to go to work. Like that's, that's not a good feeling. And like I said, I don't care if you've been in the company for six months, if you're feeling like that, like your well-being, your mental health is way more important than like having on a resume that you stayed at a company for two years. <laughs> um, listen yeah. to that and like figure out what your next move is and like, like plan. Mm -hmm. um, and I also recognize too that like <clears throat> looking for another job while you have a job is a lot because looking for a job can seem like a full-time job. So even if it means like just be strategic on your weekends or like, you know, if it's your lunch break, maybe instead of eating lunch at your desk, because a lot of times we do get caught up in that, take your hour lunch break and go into like a quiet room on the side and like map out where do I want to be three months from now? Where do I want to be six months from now? If it's within that company, how can I get to that position? Who do I need to talk to to get what I want out of this? Um, and yeah, and just really, like I said, make your job work for you. And so that it helps you get to whatever your next level is or whatever that next position you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Is that how you approach uh, goal setting? Is it in like three months, 90 day intervals? Or do you, because I feel like there are definitely two differing opinions on this, like the long-term view yeah. versus, but I think five-year goals are like, very hard to wrap your head around because and literally like I couldn't even imagine my life being the way it is a year ago because um, things right. come come up right and I think if you're so narrow focused on you know where you want to be 10 years from now you can miss out on a lot of opportunity but I yeah. think also having a vision is very <laughs> so important so it's a push and pull I think so I'm not I mean I, I'm not that good at like a long-term goal setting this because like what you said, like, I feel like it always changes. Like if somebody would have asked me when I was like in college, what's my ultimate, ultimate like career goal would have been like, Oh, to be the editor in chief of a magazine, like cosmopolitan or Marie Claire. But <clears throat> now that I'm in the industry and I see how things are changing and I see how like those publications, some of those publications there, you know, they don't even have monthly, publications like some of those are turned into like digital publications like mm -hmm. 
they said how they're limited, limiting like their print edition. And so like the industry is changing. And of course, <clears throat> you have to adapt to it and adapt your career goals to it. So like you said, like I, it's kind of hard to say like, oh, in five years, 10 years, I want to do that. Or I want to be this, or I want to be here. But I do think it is important to kind of have set short-term goals in terms of like what you want. So like say, for instance, in the next six months, I'd like to be here. Or I'd like to have more speaking engagements. Or i like to put myself out there more. I want to like update my website. Or I want to, you know, complete this big project at work. But I think setting short-term goals, that also helps it to not seem like as stressful. Because I think long-term goals can sometimes seem so huge and so big and so overwhelming. So when you set short-term goals, it kind of like breaks it down into like many steps yeah. for how you will get to like that end goal. Yeah. And what you can do today, like practically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Honestly, thank you so much, Courtney. I appreciate your time. Uh, the last two questions that I asked on the podcast, um, mm -hmm. the first one being, what are some, uh, you know, what was a resource, a book, a podcast, a person um, early in your journey or even now that changed your perspective um, and led you to where you are today? Is there anything that sticks out in memory? Um, <clears throat> not really a podcast because to be honest, I didn't start listening to podcasts until like recently. So if you want to know like what podcast I listen to now, it's like definitely Oprah's like Super Soul Sunday okay. podcast. Yeah. Um, and then NPR's podcast, How I Built This. Because I love how, like, they get into, like, the nitty-gritty, the start of how someone built a company. Yeah. Um, did you see Kathy Hughes' episode, by chance? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't finish it. I was listening to it on the train. It's really good. Um, but I think we're in a social media age where a lot of times you see people's highlight reel. And you yeah. see like, where they are now, but you don't really know the backstory to how they got to where they are. Mm -hmm. and, I, and everybody has a struggle period. Everybody has had ups and downs in their career. And I think hearing other people's ups and downs kind of help you to realize, like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah, all, they went through this as well. Mm -hmm. um, a book that I read like a couple of years ago that really kind of like, and it, it went beyond just like career, but just like personally too, but just kind of like put things into perspective in terms of like being more grateful for things. Because I think too, when you practice gratitude, like yeah. <clears throat> things just take a shift in your personal and professional life. But it was Oprah's book, um, What I Know For Sure. Mm. And it was based off like the, letters from oprah magazine where she had like the column what i know for sure and it was like all like personal essays like pinned together like in a book where she talks about like lessons she's learned throughout her career lessons she's learned personally practicing gratitude getting clarity on like what you want and where you want to see your life and i think that book was like super important in terms of like me taking the time out to really get centered with myself to really understand like what i want next to really understand that like i can really create the life i want and that's something that i'm still like yeah. doing now because like I said, that always changes. Like, you know, when I first graduated college, I was like, I have to get to New York. I have to get to New York. And then who knows, in five years from now, it might be like, okay, New York is a lot. I need to like, <laughs> let's calm. You know, but it's also like allowing yourself the time and the space to, to do that and to have that clear train of thought and to, be, to also be grateful for your journey. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like a person, um, I would really have to say who I mentioned earlier, Joy Marie McKenzie. Because she's someone who, she's just always, like, looked out just throughout my career. Like, she's always, like, looked out. And, and too, like, I have, like, a, a group of, like, you know, my sister friends, like, in media. Who, like, we just kind of, like, look out for each other um, if we need anything. And I think that's, like, so important to have 
like that tight circle of like women who are like super supportive of you, who yeah. hype you up when you need to be hyped up, who pipe you down when you need to be piped down, <laughs> um, and who just all around like keep you humble, but also let you know that like you're doing it and like you're doing way better than what you think. Um, so yeah. Thank you. And the very last question for the Power of Why podcast is, and we talked a little bit about this before we hit record, and I really like your take and your perspective on this question, uh-huh. is, is what's your why? What do you strongly believe that you, you were meant to do during your time here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that I strongly believe that my overall why is to like, in some sort of way, like impact my people. When I say my people, I mean black people and more specifically black Amen. women. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because I understand like the power of representation. I understand the power yeah. of having women in spaces who look like you, who feel like, you know, they can connect to you, they can relate to you. And so yeah. <clears throat> right now that's through journalism. Um, even with my writing, like I do a lot of writing with a lot of focus on women in the workplace and diversity in the workplace and black women in leadership and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and black people in CEO suites and executive suites and the pay gap and how the pay gap is different for women of color, but we don't often talk about it. We just look at like, you know, equal payday is a payday where like all women reach equal payday when really when you look at black women and Latina women and native American women, our equal paydays don't come until way later. Mm. And so really sparking that conversation and bringing those conversations to the forefront at a mainstream outlet where, Otherwise, those conversations might not be had. And then also just like recognizing that I belong in these spaces. And by me being in these spaces, I can help pull someone else who looks like me into those spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I know that like ultimately like that's my why and that's my purpose to like impact, you know, make a real change for like black people and to really be there for that other black girl to be like, I see you. I recognize you. I'm going to help you. I got you. We end this together. You know, what we're going to conquer next. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, over time, like that could change right now. That's through journalism. Who knows in three years from now, that could be <clears throat> through something different with that's closer to like social activism or something, mm-hmm. you know, like who knows. And I think it's important that when people think about like their purpose or they think about their reason for why that they're open to like what that why or what that purpose looks like changing over time. Mm-hmm. I think Michelle Obama said that, <clears throat> when she did an interview with Oprah Winfrey and she was talking about like, even in her book becoming and how in her book, she talks about like the different jobs that she's had. And she was like, she doesn't like when people ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because it seemed like you only have to be one thing when it's like, you can be so many different things. And, and I think, you know, once you have one job and once you feel like, you know, you aren't having the same impact that you want to have, or, you know, you kind of gotten out of that job, which you want to get out of it that's your nudge to like move to something else and figure out what else you want to do next. That's going to have that impact. And it's going to allow you to touch the people that you want to touch. So, yeah. Amazing. And I think Michelle was very conscious about the title of the book. Oh yes. Thanks. Definitely. Cause like she said, even now she's like still becoming like, it's yeah. a continuous thing. So yeah. Constantly evolving. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. And no, thank you. This was a great conversation and I'm, I'm so sorry that I'm like fighting this cold. <laughs> Sorry if I found stuffy and all of that stuff. Uh, that's that is all good, and I do have to to recognize you for talking about representation because I think you know you know when I first just started the podcast, um, I really I wanted to I, I had heard a stat saying that 
out of all the podcasts that are out there, only about 20% are hosted by women. And you can imagine even less were hosted by women of color. Exactly. And, and I figured, hmm, okay, take that fact in, that, that number. And, you know, for all the other podcasts that are out there, they're probably interviewing people who look like them. Exactly. And so what about the voices and the people and the faces and the stories that are, are not being shared and not being heard on platforms? With the internet, with social media, I think we have a huge responsibility to shine light on underrepresented voices. And I think we're seeing a lot of cool things happening in entertainment now. And I mean, you're right in there. And um, for you to talk about representation and specifically for, for Black black women um i really appreciate you lending your voice to that um, cause because i know it's very personal right yeah no definitely and, and that's why it's just so important that like no matter what rooms you walk into no matter what spaces you walk into <clears throat> just be your authentic self mm. you know wh whatever that is i know i um spoke on a panel a couple of months ago and um it, it was to college kids and afterwards a young lady came to me because i had my hair like my natural hair out and it was in like a high puff and she came yeah. to me saying how like she's interviewing for internships and she's wondering like if she should take her braids out and like straighten mm -hmm. her hair because her mom was saying like you have to be mindful of how you wear your hair mm -hmm. and I just was very honest with her I was like I totally disagree I'm like wear your hair how you want to wear it because that's a part of being authentically you if you want to mm -hmm. wear your hair in an afro for the interview and then you show the first day of work and you have box braids down to your behind that's fine. If you want to two weeks later have your hair in a twist out, that's fine. If you yeah. want to two weeks later have cornrows, that's fine. Like you have the freedom to wear your hair how you want to wear your hair. And like mm -hmm. that's something we should just not think about. And I think <clears throat> when we exude that authenticity, mm -hmm. that like it automatically commands a certain level of respect and gives a certain level of respect. And it, it, it kind of like doesn't leave other people room to like challenge that because they know that you're confident being who you are. And so that's why I think it's so important because here again, like you say, you never know who's watching. Like it could be the reason for why, you know, someone wears their natural hair on a panel, which is why that next black girl in the audience says, you know what? I'm going to work tomorrow with my Afro. I'm going to work tomorrow. And like, I'm not taking my box braids out. I'm going to leave them in or like whatever the case is. I don't have to pull them back in a button. I can leave them hanging down. Yeah. Um, but it's just about being like authentic, like who you are and being true to yourself and so I can say you never know who's watching and, and representation is like so important. And mm -hmm. there's so many other young women out there who are looking to those who came before them and looking to those who are in certain spaces to identify with. And when they don't see that, then they kind of like go into a shell. And that's not mm -hmm. what we want at all. Like we want everybody to be who they are. We want everybody to like share their story and bring, you know, who they are to the table um, because we belong. As we are, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No um, thank I you. hope that everyone, I know you took at least one thing that you could run with and apply in your own life, um, you know, learning from Courtney's story. So uh, thank you again for being on episode 16 of the Power of Why podcast. I know that we'll still be in contact and for everyone out there, make sure to follow Courtney's story. I'll have all of her information in the show notes. And until then, ciao. Thank you.